listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. It is April 21st and today we have as our guest Ed Levin who is a licensed clinical social worker who is currently um, the executive director for um, the American Residential Treatment Association, and he's actually the chairperson of the executive board for the American Residential Treatment Association. Um, Ed Ed earned a Bachelor of Science degree in education from Temple University in Philadelphia and a master's degree in social work from Columbia University School of Social Work in New York City. He is a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Vermont. Mr. Levin began his professional career at the National Institute of Mental Health Research Center in Fort Worth, Texas. He has worked for more than 35 years as a clinician and administrator in residential, psychiatric, and educational settings for children and adults with emotional and psychiatric issues. Twenty-five years ago, he joined the staff of Spruce Mountain Inn as executive as assistant director and continues in that role at one of the leading residential programs serving young adults with psychiatric problems. His responsibility includes develop, developing referrals, coordinating admissions, human resource administration, clinical supervision, as well as working with clients. Ed, how do you find time to do it all? Well, that's a challenge, I have to say. It's a lot of juggling of things, but I guess somehow it works out. Um, Our show today is is talking about how people can find the right residential treatment program, and I thought we might begin by talking about what is the American Residential Treatment Association and how did it get started? Okay, I'd be happy to talk about that. The the American Residential Treatment Association began back in in about uh, 1992. Um, There was some energy among uh, a couple of the residential programs in New England, particularly from uh, Michael Wells, who was the director of Spring Lake Ranch, which is in Cuttingsville, Vermont. Um, He uh, was interested in in networking and connecting with the directors of other residential programs because sometimes running a residential program is a lonely business. You get very involved in what's going on with your clients and your own facility and uh, are not connected with, with other people who are doing similar things. And so Michael had the idea that we could be a support to each other. And that's basically how the organization began, as uh, as a support group. And I think there were about eight or nine of us when we began uh, back in 1992. Um, we were g- generously supported by the uh, folks at the Red Lion Inn who helped us get started. And ever since then, we've been meeting at the Red Lion Inn in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, twice a year. And what are the goals of ARDA besides uh, mutual support and like peer supervision? Sure. Um, It it is an organization that's primary mission is to support and promote the modality of residential treatment for young adults and adults with a variety of psychiatric issues, um, including folks with um, co-occurring addictions, um, dual diagnosis. The... um, so the, so the program is there to support that modality, and in in doing that, we're also interested in being able to improve the practice of our of our work together. So it's it's an organization that is is there to help the the administrators and staff of the organizations to improve um, 
their work and learn from each other and from guest speakers, and it's also there to let folks know about this resource. Um, one of the things that we've learned so many times over the years is that um, that people aren't aware of residential treatment as a as a method or as an opportunity for folks who are suffering from significant psychiatric issues, and so it's we see it as our job to work together just to promote. Um, the idea of residential treatment and and the, the programs that that serve this population are the residential programs affiliated with hospitals? Are they independent? What are? Yeah, the, the, we are first of all loosely associated, so we are independent from each other. We just somehow get together around our common interests, and we we the the um, residential treatments either are or began pretty much as independent facilities separate from um, any other organization. It's kind of interesting if you were to look at some of the programs and ask the, the uh, directors of each of those programs how they got founded. It's, there's a, just some very interesting stories about creative ways that people have pulled things together to provide a service. Um, example, um, the uh, in in Vermont, um, there's a Spring Lake Ranch, which began, as I understand the story, um, uh, 75 years ago or so, with um, uh, some people in New York who who had some land in Vermont and thought that would be a good place for folks who were having difficulties with alcoholism to come and get sober and you know be out in the fresh air and 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 uh, get better and recovery. And, um, and uh, so th that was the history of that program. And it, as I said, it's been in existence for 75 years and evolved over time to be able to serve uh, folks with, with psychiatric issues. Then there are some programs that began um, kind of like, I think, Westbridge and the Parents Foundation where um, families um, have who have had family members who were ill have um, provided the, the energy and the vision and the, and the funding to help programs get going to serve this population. And then there are others where somebody has a good idea, like uh, Candace Beardsley, who, was the director, who is the director of Spruce Mountain Inn, and kind of pulled together very little resources with a loan from the Small Business Administration and, and started a program 25 years ago. So there's a whole range of, of, of stories as to how these programs have gotten together, um, have gotten themselves organized and, and provide this, this service. Maybe we could begin by talking about how could people, what are the things people should look for for an adolescent program? For an how adolescent can, program? Or? Yeah, how can you find the right residential program if for um, either a provider or a parent that may be listening today? Well, I think the, the best thing to, to do uh, is to go to the ARTA website, A-R-T-A-U-S-A dot org. Um, that website lists the 29 different members of the ARTA Association, and it also provides uh, a link to to each of their websites. It has a little brief paragraph about each program and a link to, to, the, um, to, the, to their website itself where there's much more information about each program. And um, I would suggest that folks take a look at 
several of those different programs and um, find ones that seem to address the needs that you think your family member might have, explore the website thoroughly, jot down some questions, and then call the program and, and discuss both the program and your family member's circumstances, what the situation is, what you seem to be looking for, and so on, and, and, and begin a dialogue with, with the admission folks from several of these programs to find out what seems to be the best match for your family member. Are there certain things that um, providers or adolescents should specifically, or providers or um, family members should specifically be looking for for adolescent treatment? Well, again, we're, talk we're, we're talking all the programs from ARDA are really not for adolescents but okay. for adults, so okay. over 18, and there's a, a whole different phenomenon because when you're dealing with somebody over 18, there has to be a great deal of collaboration and willingness on the part of the client um, to participate. And yes, there are a number of things that um, that I think one needs needs to look at. Um, there, it might have to do with location, with cost, with if a program has a particular specialty that responds to the needs of, of your family member. Um, what's the geographic location? Is it something that's going to be supportive of the client's um, recovery and, and work uh, and, and that sort of thing? Um, the other thing is that it seems like if one looks at the at the membership of the ARTA Association, one can can find four general categories of programs. And what's especially interesting is that each program, though, may have elements of the other categories, but there seems to be general um, thematic themes. Uh, thematic themes. Themes are thematic <laughs> by definition. Anyway, there, there are several themes. Um, uh, there are some programs that, that we look at as farm or work-based residential communities. And there's another category that we look at as group residential treatment. And then another category would be apartment-based residential treatment. And then the fourth one are long-term residential living arrangements. And I can talk a little bit about, about each of those um, categories. Um, okay. Um, the the farm or work-based uh, programs often take place in a farm, on a farm, and the, the focus, the structure of the day seems to be organized around the, the work of running the farm. Um, it creates a community of people working together and supporting each other, um, again, with a focus on the work and the, the healing quality of work and the community that is developed um, therein. And so that's one orientation. On our ARTA list, you might think of Gould's Farm, Spring Lake Ranch, Cooper Reese, Rose Hill, um, Hopewell Village. Uh, th these are programs that have this farm-based orientation. And what's interesting to me, too, is that some of the, the programs have been developed by staff members who worked at one program and then went someplace else and um, we'll be right back to talk with Ed about more about the four different types of residential programs that are involved with the American Residential Treatment Association. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out. And you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up the $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. back everyone today we're talking with Ed Levin who is the current chairperson of the executive board of the American Residential Treatment Association and who is also the assistant director of the Spruce Mountain Inn in Vermont and prior to going to our break we were talking about the different types of residential programs that are involved in ARDA and Ed was telling us about the farm-based programs and maybe now you could talk a little bit about the group residential program sure um, the group residential programs uh, generally don't have a lot of land like a farm program does, and things are centered within the group living situation. Very often it's one or a couple of group residences where clients live together and are engaged in various aspects of treatment with the focus of the day being on the groups or structured activities that may follow the groups um, as a person moves through the program. Um, the work in a residential facility is more often through the groups and activities rather than through the work on the farm and the agricultural or other farm-related um, work projects. So um, generally there's a higher clinical, a uh, higher level of clinical intensity and involvement in um, many of the group residential programs that are members of, of ARDA. Many times they may have um, 
uh, on staff a, a greater number of clinicians, ther- therapists, case managers, um, psychiat- psychiatrists. They all, all of the programs have psychiatrists, but there just might be a more intensive involvement and more coordinate clinical case management and coordination um, and, and may have more in terms of specific treatment groups, whether it's a treatment group for OCD or developing, um, it might be DBT skills, it might be an eating disorder group, et cetera, but there's, there's more opportunity for uh, focused uh, group work. And many of those pro- programs as I mentioned, all, all programs seem to have some overlap. In a residential program, there certainly might be work and work in the community, um, the broader community, as part of the program. So it does have a work component, usually, but the emphasis initially, anyway, is on the, on the psychotherapeutic clinical aspects of treatment. Um, the other um, modality that, that we think about our programs that are more apartment-based. And these programs provide a variety of services, clinical and vocational services, like the group residential program, but more in an apartment living situation where two or three clients may be living in a a rental unit connected to a a central staff. And and, and that, that kind of, a, of approach is, a, is more of a community-based and, and the, 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 the whole group, like the 12 or 14 or 10 people who live in the group residential piece, you know, it's, it's a smaller kind of um, activity, a different kind of community is formed. And um, the fourth kind of, of program uh, or category are long-term living arrangements, and there are several programs in our membership which provide a really long-term home, home life, a long-term care and, and treatment program for folks who are going to need something for many, many years and need a place to live where they can get their needs met, where they can get their treatment needs met and be supported over an extended period of time and develop a, a, a quality of life um, with with others and within the community. Would somebody be receiving intensive therapy in a long-term residential living arrangement? Uh, not likely. If they did, it would probably be on an on a outpatient basis. It wouldn't be from a staff member of the program, as I understand the way most of these programs work. But it would be a, an additional service added. The the directors of these programs make sure that whatever package of services uh, that a person needs can be provided for, but it's not as if it's offered from the organization themselves. They uh, make referrals to appropriate um, professionals for those kinds of services, whether that is a vocational or or a a psychotherapeutic service. Um, You know, it's it's done on more of an outpatient basis. the length of stay for somebody in a long-term living arrangement would be um, typically... Well, m- many times it can be for many, many years. It can be, you know, sometimes some folks need support in a structured living environment for years and years and years, and so that could be available. Um, some of the, the clients in, in the programs of this nature have have uh, have been living at the program and are 
functioning and, and aging like the rest of us, but within the context of the program. And do these programs tend to be in community um, urban settings or country settings or a variety of settings? The, the long-term programs? Yes. Um, they could be anywhere. Um, there are um, three programs that I'm thinking of in different parts of upstate New York. Um, and there's a program in Florida, you know, I, and, and they, they can be in the city or in the outlying areas. And what about the apartment-based residential programs? Um, what kind of services are usually provided there? Well, I think there it's kind of a combination. There's usually, from my understanding, a very strong clinical approach um, and, again, offered in a, um, in a central place. So the clients need to be able to go from where they live to the central office, if you will, for various kinds of groups and other treatments. Many, I think that some of the residential programs may also have, apartment-based residential programs may also have a staff apartment near or with the other apartments where the clients live. Project Transition, for example, in Philadelphia has its facilities in a number of different general, I don't know what you call them, garden apartment units in, uh, in the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. And so, Everybody lives there, not just the clients, but it's open to the public and the project transition owns or has access to three or four or five apartments in a large apartment complex. And so that provides a, a very different kind of experience for someone rather than being in a, in a residential facility which may be away from a downtown area or, you know, in a smaller area or obviously very different from a farm-type community. Right, right. Um, the, an apartment-based residential program would really be utilizing the, um, the greater community as a community, where the, uh, the farm and the group residential program and the long-term residential program really look at the um, inside the, uh, those programs as a community within a community. Exactly. That's the, this is the very important distinction. And, and some, some of them, I think, use case management within the um, – case management is a very important part of any work that's done, and um, that, that may be case management within the, the staff with services delivered by the staff of the organization, or it might be intensive case management with – connecting the client to resources in the community and having somebody from the organization be there to pull things together. And what about the group residential programs? What are, can you describe those for us? Well, um, I, I, the group residential uh, programs generally tend to be small in terms of a living arrangement from maybe 10 to 15 people living together. Um, Sometimes they are co-ed, often they're co-ed, sometimes there's, there's single gender programs, um, and the, the, there is a structure built into the program that, that supports people in interacting together. And what, the, what a group residential program does is it really creates many interactive opportunities for people to learn about themselves through their interactions with other people to get feedback um, 
it's it's kind of living together, and in some way, it's like living together where there and there's also staff present, and so there's a lot of interaction, observation, discussion about behavior, how one's behavior affects somebody else, and that's also important in developing emotional management skills, developing interactional skills, developing leisure and social skills, and and and. As a as a little community that the the group community can plan activities together and also support its members in going out into the broader community. Um, for a lot of our families that are that are looking for help for their family member, um, are there different programs that work better for different um, types of illnesses? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I think. I, 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 I don't quite know how to answer that. I think that a lot of it depends not on this, but on where somebody is in their dealing with the illness. For example, for some people living in a, in a group residence program where, as I mentioned, there's a lot of interaction and feedback about each other's behavior, someone who has a lot of um, thoughts and, 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 um, Issues going on in, the, in their head might find, you know, and, and voices and so forth might find it terribly overstimulating to be in that kind of environment. And it might feel more comfortable in a place where the social demands are are less. So that's that's um, one kind of factor. I think another important factor is what is the um, the the when especially when you're dealing with people who have uh, substance abuse problems in addition to their psychiatric issues. What level of support does your particular family member need in terms of maintaining sobriety? Because basically, maintaining sobriety is a is a is a foundation for being able to to work with the the, the psychiatric issues. Um, and so, someone may need a lot more structure, and and a lot of it might depend on what are the rules of that organization, the different programs. How do they deal with um, with various issues, and are those, is that structure going to be supportive of your particular family member's profile, or do they need a different kind of structure? So there really is a wide variety of programs available for providers and families to check out um, through the American Residential Treatment Association. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, you know, one needs to con- consider or think about... Go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. We'll be right back with Ed, and he'll finish that thought for us. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
for the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting. Tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show. For women, men, children, and families, Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to uh, let Ed finish his thought before we went to commercial. Okay. Uh, we were talking about the different variables to consider as you're thinking about a residential program for your family. Or, And I, this is really important. Maybe there are some people listening who are looking to residential treatment themselves. It's very important to involve the family member in this hunt for a program. Um, and some of the factors to consider are what are the peer group like in the different programs? What are the ages, the genders? What's the range of disability that people are dealing with? Um, another factor is what are the what's the structure? What is the degree and nature of um, of structure, rules, programs, activities? Different people feel like they need different things. What are the primary therapeutic approaches? They vary from program to program. What's the intensity of of treatment, the depth of treatment, again, a variable. Different people are able to take advantage of different things. Is the program comprehensive? Is there integration of services? Another important variable. Are there family support services? What are they? Uh, what are the expectations of the residents? And following, and finally, what, what is the fee structure? What, what are the various costs and, and finding a match for those circumstances and resources? What about evidence-based practices? Um, I know that's something that we get questioned about from either providers or families about utilization of evidence-based practices. And what is ARTA's, how does that work with ARTA? Well, it's an interesting question. I think we all believe that um, we uh, in, in utilizing evidence-based practices, so we try to learn through the ARTA organization different approaches, and we have many guest speakers um, uh, uh, about various uh, trends and ideas in, in, in the field. Um, but in, in addition, evidence-based practices require research to, to make the evidence <laughs> credible, and many of our programs are very small and really have little staff and opportunity to do the kinds of um, of research to document uh, evidentiary kinds of things. And that's where ARDA can come in and it is beginning to, as we talk about how to utilize the whole population 
of ARDA, our clients, and find ways to measure what seems to be working and what seems to not be working. I know for um, Westbridge, as a member of ARDA, one of the things that we really enjoy about this association are the people that are involved with it. And um, it seems like there are a bunch of like-minded folks that are really there. They're able to put their own um, kind of personal uh, needs aside to, to really look at the greater the greater group. And Absolutely, Mary. And I know Westbridge is a new program and has only been involved in in ARDA probably for as long as, as it has existed. How long has Westbridge been around? Well, actually, about five years. About five years. And yeah. so this program, this organization has been going on much longer than that, and it's always, it took a little time, but we really developed this tradition of collaboration and, and complementing each other. Uh, we realize that not one program is the answer for everybody and that we each have different strengths or different qualities that match one client better than than another client. And so we are very collaborative and supportive of helping um, the people who call us get to the right program. There, there is an amazing lack of competitiveness and, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing that you might find in many other industries. And it, it's just a very, very supportive uh, group. Um, one of the things that we've done that we're very happy about is having developed the website artausa.org because it really provides an opportunity for families to look at and compare different programs. And I think as a rule, whenever we get a call and people are contemplating, well, which pro is this a good program for me or not? We refer them to the ARTA website. We refer them to our colleagues and encourage them to ask questions and visit and so forth so that um, the right match happens. I know one of the questions that we get, we're, <clears throat> we've been in the process of trying to get credentialed, CARP credentialing, for a couple of years. And um, one of the things that we get asked about is, is ARTA credentialing body? Uh, it's a good question. No, ARTA is not a credentialing body. We have, um, we do not set uh, performance standards for our member programs except for the fact that we expect them each to be licensed within their own state. Um, we also have uh, worked into our bylaws um, provisions should there be any, you know, issue with a with a program there's a there's a way that we can take a look at that but but basically the programs are independent of each other and um, and we are not in a position to do credentialing you know this is a very small organization and um, all of us are very busy <laughs> uh, with our own organizations and the 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 effort that it would take to organize a credentialing aspect would would be. Are, are there certain requirements for joining ARDA? Yes, the the program needs to be licensed in their own state, has to be in existence for I think two or three years, and um, it needs the um, approval of the executive committee of the ARDA organization. Um, at present time, there are 29 members in ARDA. Um, a few years ago, there were 25, and before that, there were 12. And so we've been growing, and as an organization, we realize that we don't have the resources 
the way we're currently constructed to expand beyond our current membership. And so we have put a cap on membership at 29 and uh, have committees uh, evaluating what direction the organization um, should take, whether to stay the same size or increase to a certain limit or really grow. It's interesting because there are in many different parts of the country um, uh, residential programs being developed. Um, and uh, we often get calls about wanting to become a member of ARDA. And um, as I said, you know, the, the roots of ARDA is a small support group for the member organizations. And, you know, some of our membership doesn't want to lose that supportive aspect, uh, which would happen if we became an organization of 50 or 100 or 200. So um, besides membership, um, what are some of the other issues that um, committees are working on within ARDA? What are some of the challenges that, that ARDA is facing collectively? Um, well, collectively we're facing issues related to um, uh, referral uh, development and how can we get the word out that we residential treatment programs exist and are a resource. It's, again, it is amazing how many times um, any member gets a call to say, I didn't know there was such a thing as this kind of program. Right. You know, and that, that, that happens time after time again. So we're looking to see how we can promote the organization and consequently promote residential treatment. Um, uh, another issue um, rela relates to um, uh, our own clinical development and, and practice as, as, um, as a as a, individual organizations, and so we have a, an education and program committee who plans um, speakers for each of our each of our meetings. Um, our other issues are the kinds of issues that that many businesses and organizations face: uh, issues related to liability, to funding, to um, you know personnel related issues, and so we organize um, what we call roundtable discussions and sometimes include outside speakers to address these issues, the issues of running a residential program, uh, which is much more than just the treatment. Everything's affected and connected, but it's also the care and nurture and support of the staff of a residential program, the most important resource that any of us have. And um, it's a very challenging, the work itself is very challenging, and consequently the support um, that staff need is, is very significant, and we spend uh, a fair amount of time at our, at our meetings having discussions relative to that. We're also looking to see are there ways that we can run our programs more um, efficiently and um, effectively in terms of, you know, uh, studying what we do, and also are there ways that we can uh, work together to get uh, our costs down in terms of group health insurance or purchasing. These are things that we've thought about that we haven't yet done anything about, but those are some possible future directions for us to go. And what about outcomes? Do, do the folks and artists share outcomes with each other, and is there one type of program that seems to have more efficacy than others? I think that's a difficult question to answer, and I, I, I think that we, I think that most our programs are effective in 
in different for different folks different different ways. So I, I don't know. I'm not prepared to say that one um, that one kind of program is better than any other kind of program. I think there's a, just a variety of different needs, and it's a very um, individual thing. I mean, obviously there are some basic principles that are very Im important um, relative to having coordinated care um, and, and, and treatment, um, using appropriate um, treatment inter interventions for appropriate uh, client clientele. You know, for example, many of us are dealing more and more with folks who are suffering with uh, borderline personality disorder or disordered traits, and so many of us have been developing skills in using um, DBT, which is an evidence-based uh, practice uh, for that issue. We're dealing with substance abuse, and so we have many different, you know, I think people are paying attention to what are the ways that are, that are most effective. Um, but again, I think because clients are so different, programs by, uh, need to be different. And I think that's one of the beauties of of the uh, the residential programs that we have. We're all, in a way, different. Many of us use similar techniques, but there's a difference that comes from being small programs that become privately owned or funded, where there's um, a um, a personality that develops. Right. Well, and each program has its own culture and its own personality. And I think the one thing that they that most of these programs have in common is the passion that the that the people that work in the programs have for the work that they do. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's that's very true, and it, it's amazing when you look at the the membership. Again, I've been involved since the very beginning, and there are again people who come to this from from different orientations, but with just tremendous commitment. Um, some people who have have uh, whose families had been staff at other programs and started their own program. You know, I mean, it, it's just uh, there's a there are three who are members who are members of ARTA, and each one of them has developed their own program, and they have a tremendous commitment to providing services. And we'll be right back for our final segment on um, residential treatment. If you have any questions, give us a call, and we'll be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Betsy Hicks, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. 
autism is treatable, and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Bexi offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, adult services, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcast each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Um, this is our last segment on residential treatment programs. And as Ed mentioned, ART is made up of 29 different organizations. Um, Spruce Mountain Inn, which uh, Ed works at, and Westbridge, where I work at, are two members of this organization. And we thought we'd just take a minute or so to explain a little bit about which of our, which, what each of our organizations um, do so you could kind of get a, a sense of the, the scope and the breadth of um, the treatment that's available through the, uh, through the ARDA website. I would really encourage anyone to go on the ARDA website and look at all the variety of programs because um, you can just about find any type of residential program that you're looking for. Um, why don't you begin, Ed, by saying a little bit about um, what Spruce Mountain does and, and, and who you're most affected at, at treating. Okay. Well, Spruce Mountain Inn's mission really is to help young adults and adults with a variety of psychiatric issues become independent. The the goal is independent living at whatever is the most uh, advanced and appropriate level for for individuals. And we do that with a very comprehensive program uh, that that combines appropriate psychiatric treatment in terms of medication with with a strong case management focus with a treatment team that consists of a master's level case manager, an individual therapist, and a residential counselor support worker, uh, supplemented by the psychiatrist, an addictions counselor, and a vocational counselor. And our program is kind of, as I mentioned, uh, designed to move people towards independence. And so we offer a continuum of services where clients begin in the group residence where 12 people live, and as they and and participate in groups there. After a number of weeks, they begin to replace some of the groups that they're they're participating in on site with work in the community, meaningful work, um, first as a volunteer in the community. And in addition, as things are falling together, they may move from the structured group living arrangement where there's awake overnight staff to a small apartment across the driveway See how there's apartments in residential group programs, small apartment across the driveway or a small house a little further away where three to five folks live and there's no staff. And then we also have folks who live in apartments in the broader community 
that they rent on their own, keeping working with the same treatment team as as time goes on. So there's continuity of treatment over time, and it's and it's very comprehensive. Um, our program works well with um, with uh, young adults and adults who are able to participate in in groups who are who are comfortable or nobody's really comfortable in group, but who can take advantage of that kind of uh, modality and make use of um, individual therapy. Our therapy is very cognitively based, um, and um, we're very skill-focused, trying to help people through the variety of, of methods. You learn independent living skills, which are not just how to cook, but also how to manage your emotions and how to maintain sobriety. So that's a, a quick talk about that. And at Westbridge, we do similar things. We work with people who have co-occurring major um, mental illness and substance use disorders. So we work most effectively with people with thought disorders, uh, bipolar disorders, major major depression, PTSD. And we have a variety of services. We have a residential program for men. Um, we have uh, two assertive community treatment teams. And we really see treatment as being the need for treatment to be integrated, so that people are working it with both their psychiatric and their um, substance use disorders um, in an integrated fashion. We see them both being primary, and we kind of see it as a holistic brain that we're trying to treat the individual in front of us as opposed to the different disorders. And um, we have people living in the community, independent in the community. We have rented some apartments where people live in that we provide a little bit more support to. And we also have our residential program here in Manchester. So we really uh, have a very strong family component um, to our program. And uh, we're beginning to develop a more um, robust vocational uh, component to our program. We're using illness management and recovery, which is an evidence-based practice that we've just started. So, um, you know, the, we're always evolving, as I'm sure most of the programs are that are with ARDA, is that no program ever really stays the same, that you evolve and grow as you learn and as you, um, the needs of, of the people that come into treatment change, we change as well. So, I think it's interesting, uh, Mary, that our, that uh, uh, hearing about your program and thinking about ours, because we both really have some common roots. You've mentioned um, ACT teams. Um, Candice Beardsley, the founder of our program and whose really energy and philosophy has um, uh, moved us forward o- over the years, went to the University of um, Wisconsin School of Social Work in Madison, where the ACT program, the program for assertive community treatment, was developed in the early 80s with the collaboration of the National Institutes of Mental Health. And and that ACT model, assertive community treatment, is really one of the foundations of our program as well. And I think that's, we've, we've, uh, that, that kind of approach is really, um, that comprehensive approach that both of our programs have is, is really very, uh, I think, effective in our work with our clients. Right, right. And that's certainly one of the evidence-based practices that um, we know works and is very effective mm-hmm. for folks. Um, I think the other thing that's, that's important for, for people to understand is um, family involvement is crucial to people in re- to recover from both mental illness and substance use disorders. 
and that we know that when, once families get involved, hospitalizations decrease, um, employment increases, and then that the general well-being for both the individual and the family um, is, is enhanced when they're involved in treatment. Absolutely. And speaking of involvement, I just wanted to be sure to make the point um, of, of the, the process of involving the client who is coming to residential treatment in the process is so important. And that's one of the values we think uh, about our ARTA organization. Since we are collaborative with each other and supportive of each other, many clients make a little tour and visit two or three different programs. Um, so that they can be involved in selecting the program in a, in a very real sort of way. And we often in, you know, encourage family members to check out the ARTA website, various ARTA programs, and define two or three programs that they would feel comfortable supporting their family member in participating in, and then leaving uh, the, the, the choice, um, you know, involving the, the program participant involved in the choice and, and really in charge because it's very important for people to be in charge of their own treatment within the parameters of different treatment programs. And that's crucial because we know that people are more invested in treatment when they've chosen it and that oftentimes families will be looking for um, treatment that that they're in action and that uh, their family member is contemplative at best. They're really not sure that they have a mental illness or a substance use disorder. They certainly haven't made a decision to get treatment for either one, but the family is convinced that the person has a substance use disorder or a psychiatric disability, and they're ready to, they're ready, willing, and able for this person to get into treatment. So oftentimes there's a conflict there that occurs between the individual and the family member and it's important for families to um, be able to um, do their homework first so they understand that, you know, maybe what they would like is not what their, their family member is willing to do. And that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. that there's a continuum of care that people can access and that um, going around and visiting different places is, is a nice way to educate both the individual and the family member about treatment. And by the same token, individuals may be ready for one program at one point in their life and that serves its purpose and it's time to move to another program. For example, one from more structure to, to less structure or, um, or a, a high demand for involvement. To, to a lesser demand of involvement. And... Um, if anyone has any questions regarding residential treatment program, once again, the website is artausa.org. So that's A-R-T-A-U-S-A.org. Um, I'd like to thank Ed for participating in our show today. And um, if you have any further questions, you can reach Ed at Spruce Mountain Inn. And Ed, what is the phone number there? It's 802-454-8353. Next week, we'll be doing a program, uh, a a repeat program on uh, women's issues, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody.
appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.